People feel strongly about their pets. This can become another headache for the executor if there's no guidance. Or if you have not planned for them in your estate planning, you've put them in danger. You haven't left any instructions of what to do with them. There could be a fight for the pets, or no one wants to take the pets. On this episode of Executor Help, what to do with the furry members of the family. Welcome to the Executor Help Podcast, the show dedicated to help you settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, visit davided.com. Now here's your host, David E.D. On this episode of Executor Help Podcast, I am fortunate to have with me uh, Leslie Nays. She is an intuitive animal healer. Thank you, Leslie, for taking the time to be here and sharing your insight when it comes to estate planning with pets. Tell me a little bit about yourself and exactly what is an intuitive animal healer? Well, David, I want to thank you, first of all, for having me as a guest because this is really important work that you're doing, not only for people to be prepared, but for people who have pets in their life to be as prepared as well. Mm. So... um, now that I said that, I'm like, now what was the question he asked me? <laughs> the question is, what is an intuitive animal healer? Ah, yes. Okay. Of course. Um, you know, we all have intuition. Mm-hmm. We all have that gut feeling or sometimes people go, it's like goosebumps and my hair stood up when I knew something was right. Well, or something's wrong. That's intuition. And most of us at young ages had that intuition and we used it all the time. But as we aged and went to school and, you know, new thoughts and the way we were supposed to learn comes in, we lose that. We lose touch with with that inner part of us. Um, And so that intuitive side is is just that, that, that which you already know and have a feeling for. And the animal healing part is, um, in my case, I am a shamanic healing practitioner. So I use a lot of those ancient modalities that if somebody doesn't know what a shaman is, it's kind of equated to a medicine man or medicine woman in ways, except it's a little very, very ancient term all over the world of indigenous peoples. So that's part of my training and background, but I've also am an animal communicator. And at a young age, I, you know, like many of us who have pets, you have conversations and it's like, you're looking at them and they, they go, you go, wow, they really understand. And they do understand. Um, And so I help people a lot with that. I like to encompass all of those modalities, plus a few others that I use as well in my work. But it intuitive animal healing is using all of those skills. And when we're talking about pets, and in, in this case here, we're talking about estate planning, the pet is probably one of the more important people in the family, even though in the eyes of the law, they're not seen as people, so to speak, they're still seen as an it. But when it comes to estate planning and the, the, the love that people have for their pets, it's very important that they take the time to figure out what's going to happen to those, to those furry members of the, of the family. When it comes to estate planning, what do people need to be thinking about when it comes to planning for their pets? 
You know, that's, you're absolutely right. They are part of the family. In this day and age, the increase of families or individuals who share their lives, which is a lifetime commitment with a pet, and that's a dog, a cat, uh, horses, and, and even some of the other smaller, newer pets that people have, is that you need to think through things. You know, you think through, oh, I'm getting this pet, so I need a bowl to feed them in, a bed for them to be, maybe a crate, maybe, you know, toys to play with. But the other end of it is whether it's a person's end of life or a pet's end of life, we don't think through those steps that, okay, so where is my pet going to go? Who's going, you know, the question usually, usually is who's going to love my pet as much as I do. Right. And if there's a surviving spouse, you know, you better be talking to them. If there's no surviving spouse and there's children, you better be talking to them. If there's no surviving spouse, children, and you have good friends who are your executors, you better be talking to them about it. Not only talking, but writing down what your wishes are and thinking that through is so important for planning. And that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is they don't think about the end product for their pets. What happens after? In my book, we, we had conversations and you were telling me some stories because you've, you've come across this situation. Is there a, something that comes to mind that you can think about where this situation, it came up and it didn't go well and there was problems? Yes, I used to be on the board of a second chance animal center um, happens to be here in Vermont. And I would often do um, sessions for some of the newer animals that came in, if the director would call me and say, hey, you know, this one's acting up, or this one's not responding, can you just, you know, do it, find out why, what's going on. And they had a dog that came in, and she had called me probably three weeks after the dog had been there. And she says, I just don't know what to do with this dog. This dog's name is like Charlie. And, and the dog turns its back every time somebody comes in to look at it. Now they had, they were in the kennel runs. So she said it would, you would come up to the cage with a prospective person and the dog would turn its back and not look at this person. And so I, I, I don't ask for a whole lot of information to begin with because I just need the photo, I need the name, and I like to know um, the sex only because so many times they are more of a it because they've been spayed or neutered. So for people's ears, I like, is it a he or a she or a both? And so I did the session and I found out that Charlie lived with an an elderly man who passed away and Charlie was his support system. He showed me and I see in pictures when I connect with an animal. And so I, I saw Charlie at the chair next to this man where the man sat and watched TV. I saw the, the man with the cane and, and the leash and they'd go walk out along you know, the outside. Now, Charlie's not a young, energetic dog. Charlie was probably middle-aged dog. And, 
And then I saw Charlie with his head on the bed as the man passed away. And he stayed right in the room with the extended family. The, the loss and the grief this was feeling was very evident. So in, in my work, it's like explaining in dog terms why the dog's at the shelter and that a new owner is coming to, to, to take Charlie home and be part of a new family. And in doing that, Charlie shot back a picture of, to me of a man who had, yeah, he actually, you'll love this because he looked like he could have been on the golf course. You know how they wear those hats on the yeah. golf course and they've got those kind of windbreakers and then they have, um, wow, don't golfers use like plaid fancy pants kind of well, thing? Some do, I don't, but yes, that's, that's, <laughs> so, that's been known to happen for right. bad dressing. So yes. The impression that I got, this guy was, you know, broad shoulder. It wasn't huge. Um, and and when Charlie sent me that picture, he said, this is my new owner. I already know that. I was like, you already know that. And somewhere, and, you know, it depends on whether you believe in the seen or the unseen. And, you know, and I, this is the, the shamanic journey work that I do is that a guide can be there. And for Charlie, his guide was his person who passed away. Right. So when I related this to the shelter director, she went, oh, my gosh, it was the man's son who turned in the dog. And all he said on the phone was that, you know, my father died. Um, there's no place for this dog to go. We have to bring him in. And they happened to have space. So they brought him in. But when the man that's when they got more of the story that the man went I, I can't keep this dog. I don't, I don't live somewhere where I can keep this dog. And I don't know what my father wanted to do with the dog. And yet I'm stuck with the dog. So he was, he was confused. He was grieving the loss of his own parent, didn't know what to do with the dog. So it helped the shelter director understand why Charlie wasn't engaging and given a few other hints as to how to make Charlie feel at least at ease in where he was at was, was helpful. Right. Probably a week and a half after, maybe two weeks, I got a phone call from the director and she said, oh my God, you won't believe this. The man that you described walked in to the shelter I wasn't there, but the staff came to get me because he walked into the dog kennel looking for a dog and Charlie was wagging his tail and excited as all could be because it, here it was. And the man was besought. He just, it, this was his dog. He didn't look at any other dog except for Charlie. Wow. So the director came out as he was filling out the adoption papers and getting prepared to take Charlie to his new home. So, you know, that's, that's a sore story that's kind of sad in some ways, because here was a son who just couldn't, didn't know what to do, had no idea what his dad 
wanted to do and didn't know whether his dad assumed he was going to take the dog, care for the dog or what. So he did the best he could. It, it sounds it, it, it sounds like you need to have conversations. If the dad had yeah. the conversation over and above having, it sounds like maybe he didn't have a will, but if even if he did have a will, the, converse, the, the conversation about what's going to happen to Charlie needs to be addressed. And is that is that Absolutely. that seems to be the problem a lot of times where people they just assume that someone's going to take the 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 pet? It it is assumed, and it, you know that that um, my loved ones will know how much I care for this this pet, and that I want them, my pet, to be happy and healthy, and and so you feel the same way I do. You're my family. Why wouldn't you want to? And that's really not always the case, and there's. There's the cases too that sometimes family members are not having any kind of conversation with a parent. They have very little interaction. And that may be because of past grievances are, you know, uh, maybe they disagree about something that they never resolved. And those are the harder ones in some ways for the person who's passing to they're as stubborn as, as, as the family member. And so they're not going to have that conversation. And yet they often, because I do help people pass over with shamanic work, it's a shamanic journey that you do to help person who may be in a coma. It's something they need to have resolved in their head before they peacefully can pass on as well. And I can give you one quick example of okay, that. Absolutely. That was a man who was very well off and he loved his cats. He had two um, special breeds. They were like the Norwegian cats. They were huge, big, big cats. And as he aged and he got sick, he hired a woman who she was in her forties to come and take care of the cats. And she did, she was on disability, but she loved animals. She came and took care of them. They kind of became friends and they were talking. During that time, she saw the son three or four times. This is over three years that she worked for him. When the man passed, the son made the assumption that he was in charge of the will and was getting everything and he was going to have his way. Well, something he had said in passing kind of struck the woman as he's not going to care for the cats. So she said something to the man who owned the cats. He called his attorney and he changed his will. His son, yes, is the executor of the will, but the cats came first in the will for their care and well-being. Whether he took care of the cats, which was not a stipulation, but the cats must be cared for by someone. He set up a trust for those two cats will always had the money to um, for any health care. Whoever has the cats didn't have to worry about it because one of the cats was able to go in the, to the household where the lady who worked for him, but the other cat was not. And so when he passed away, the son came right away to the house. Now these were inside cats. He lived in the country, which was okay, but he opened the door up to the house and told the cats to get out. Wow. Push the cats right out. The, the woman who had been caring for them 
showed up later that day. She found one of the cats, the one that she had decided to keep. She took it home. But then she called. This is where the point where I got involved because she didn't know where Samson was. She didn't know what happened to him because he didn't show up for three days. And was he okay? Or was he, did something happen? Did the son do something to him? She just didn't know any of that. So I did locate Samson and, and we were able to get a hold of Samson. And meanwhile, she was smart enough to find somebody who he happened to be a, a disabled person who didn't have the money for a cat, love cats. She made arrangements for Samson to go to that person. So the cats are out of the way, the will gets read, and the son finds out, and I found this out through her, because she was contacted by the lawyer, that he doesn't get the money that he was to inherit unless the cats were taken care of first. Whoa. And he was going to find those cats so that he get. So the son had no idea that his father had changed the will like those cats came first that they had to be taken care of before he could get his money. He didn't know that there was a huge donation to not only these cats, but apparently there was a bigger donation that if his son didn't follow through a chunk of that wealth was going to do the care of other cats through a local vet and it had gone into a fund. So him and the father never had the conversation because he didn't know the stipulations of the will. The father never. never told him. Wow. Father didn't tell him because he changed it shortly before he passed away. And he changed it because of the son's attitude toward his cats. And he wanted to make sure that his cats were taken care of, which they were. Well, that's, that's, that's quite the twist. <laughs> you told us, you talked about two different stories where there was no conversation, but there was a conversation and still the executor didn't follow through based on the wishes of what the, uh, the, the, the um, person whose, whose will, whose estate it was, they didn't follow through on their wishes. But in it, it all ended up still happy because the, uh, in the end, because the at least the cats ended up finding new homes. The only person that was out of uh, ended up with some grief is uh, the executor, and all he had to do was follow the wishes of the uh, of his father. That's that's amazing. So, to when it comes to estate planning, when it comes to making sure that the pets are taken care of, what what do you see are some of the, probably the the best solutions and the next steps for anyone planning their estate? Well, you know, I, I think the example that you used of Margaret, Margaret, sorry, in the, in, in the book was a perfect one. Mm-hmm. She, she had two executors cause she had no family and she planned for her pet Java. She knew who the new owner was. She, everything in the estate was all planned out as to what it was going to go do. And the, and the people that she asked to be the owners said yes, because she talked to them. She, she knew them. They were her best friends. She knew that they could take the dog. She knew that everything would be lined up and that, that they would be involved. And, and they certainly are. Uh, you know, elderly dog because um, Margaret was older in age when she she passed on. So they were well prepared as to what a senior dog needed. Um, 
to make it comfortable. And the little dog has them wrapped around their, their fingers, whatever she wants, it's it. So if you have the conversation, if you write down the ideas, if you put it as part of your planning with your executors, the, that kind of planning makes it such an easier transition, not only for the human, but for the pet and the people who are left having to sort out. It, it, when there's a death, there's going to be a lot of trauma. There's going to be a lot of chaos and everything seems disorganized. The more prepared you are, the more organized you are, just makes it a lot more easier on those that you're leaving behind, especially the furry ones. It's just have the conversations and be prepared, I think is what we can pretty much say that that's most important. I want to thank you, Leslie Nays, for being here on the uh, podcast today. People want to get in touch with you. How, how can they find you? Well, it's intuitive animal healing. It's a .NET, so they can look that up or they can just look up my name, Leslie Nace, they'll find me. I am on uh, Facebook, the Intuitive Animal Healing is there. In LinkedIn, it's my name, Leslie Nace, you can certainly find it there. And I do post on Instagram, different things about my own pets at times. Um, so yeah. Oh. And I do have, I, I do want to mention that because of my work that I do, I certainly, you know, they can book a session there and find out more about, um, about their own pet or themselves or anything they want. And also there'll be a link to your website as well under the show notes of the uh, podcast. Leslie Nace, I'd like to really thank you for taking the time today to share your insight and helping a lot of pet owners get themselves organized and also make sure that a lot of pets in the future are going to be taken care of and not just left in a shelter somewhere. So once again, I'd like to thank you so much for being here today. David, it's been my honor and my pleasure. And I thank you so much for having me as a guest. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Executor Help Podcast. For more details or questions, visit davided.com or follow David on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. The links are in the show notes. We'd love it if you'd leave us a rating or review on iTunes. We really appreciate your feedback and support. Subscribe while you're there and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Executor Help Podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.